Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. And I want to invite you to turn with me to Luke's Gospel, the 8th chapter. Luke chapter 8. And today we're going to talk about something that I believe we've all experienced at one point or another. And maybe you're experiencing it now in your present season of circumstance of life. While you're turning to Luke chapter 8, let me welcome those of you that are watching online. We're so glad to have you joining via this method. If you're there, just drop a comment. Let us know that you're there and where you're watching from. We would certainly appreciate it. And uh, I want to talk to you this morning about being at the end of your rope. Being at the end of your rope. I expect you've all heard that term before and my greater expectation is that not only have you heard about it but you may have had experience with it in fact I feel in my heart that there may be somebody under the sound of my voice today that the enemy has tried to tell you that you're at the end of your rope and there's nothing left for you to do but just let go just give up And I want to share with you, as you're turning to Luke 8, about a woman. As a matter of fact, there are several people in this text that we're going to look at today who find themselves at this this very point, and they are no doubt at the end of their rope, and they're facing insurmountable difficulties, circumstances beyond their control. One individual in particular has been dealt with a great physical infirmity, and perhaps you don't have any physical problems this morning, but... There are a few principles at play here that will help you anytime that you find yourself grappling with your present reality and nearing the end of your proverbial rope. So today I believe with individuals of antiquity we're all going to be able to identify in some way because we all have things in our lives that only a miracle will help. And I believe you will either identify with her in where you are living or you're going to remember a time when you were right there at the end of your rope and you're going to have cause to rejoice as you hear the word and you're reminded of the time when the Lord met you there. Now, if you're one of those folks who know what I'm talking about this morning, I'm going to need you to help me. I'm going to need a little class participation here this morning. And when I say something, and you know what I'm talking about, I know that there's just some of you that it's, it's in your nature to shout amen. And, and we welcome that, certainly. Love the feedback. But there's some of you that maybe that's not your tendency. You're, you're a little more reserved. You're a little quieter. And uh, you don't, you're not prone to just, just shouting amen, and, and that's fine, that's okay. But this is what I want you to do this morning. When you hear something that resonates with your experience, if it's something that you've been through yourself, this is what I want you to do. I want you to just simply go, mm-hmm. Okay, okay let's, let's practice one time. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I want you to do that loud enough audibly enough that the people around you can hear it so in case there's somebody around you that's struggling with it 
they understand and know that they're not isolated in their struggle because the adversary, when we're going through things and we feel like we're hanging on by a thread, the enemy wants to come in and isolate us and make us feel like we're the only ones that have ever been facing the things that we're facing. There you go. There you go. All right. So, so that's what I want you to do, and, and do that loud enough so that it's a witness. Because you know what it is to feel all out of control and be dangling at the end of your rope. Your nerves are shot. Your anxiety levels are through the roof. And you don't know what the answers are, but you know who the answer is, and you know where the answer is found. And somebody, somebody, I'll tell you what, just, just somebody help me right now. Praise the Lord for a time when he found you at the end of your rope. When he, when he found you and you were just clinging for dear life in desperation and you didn't know what was coming next and you were just waiting for the other shoe to drop and your malady and your infirmity to finally take you out. But somewhere along the way, Jesus came in and entered your situation and everything changed. How many of you know that even though the definitions sound similar on paper, there's a huge difference between a reaction and a response? There's a huge difference between a reaction and a response because with a reaction, it's almost involuntarily. We move. I thought of so many things to do today. I've got to tell you, I'm at the heart of me, I'm mischievous. I can't help it. It's just the way I'm wired. And I thought about so many things today. I thought about shooting you with a water gun. I thought about scaring you with an air horn. I thought about, you know, stuff just falling out of the ceiling. And just, just to see what your reaction would be. Because if I can make you react, you're not in control anymore. I am. When, when you begin to react to things, you are no longer the one in control. You've heard it said before that he who angers you controls you. Right? He who angers you controls you. And this is not just true of the people who anger us, but situations and circumstances that draw reactions out of us that are not in keeping with who we've been called and created to be in Christ Jesus. When we allow those things to elicit from us an instant, immediate reaction, we're not in control anymore. We're not in control anymore. And if you will remember with me, the word of the Lord says that the fruit of the Spirit is what? Oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Help me, Father. This is going to be hard for the early crowd. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. The fruit of the Spirit self-control so what does that say to me if I'm saved sanctified full of the Holy Ghost I don't need to go around living my life in a constant continual reaction to everything that's happening around me and to me but I need to be in control of myself by the power of the Holy Spirit 
A response, on the other hand, is not that knee-jerk reaction. It's not the rash, off-the-cuff action, but rather it's well-thought and it's controlled. We respond to things. We respond to things. And one of the things we're going to learn in today's text is that when you're at the end of the rope, one of the things that you don't need to do is that you don't need to react to things around you. How many of you know that sometimes it only takes one thing to go wrong? And, and when it does, it sets a tone for everything else in your life. We, we only need, sometimes the quality of our day is determined by the simplest things and how we react to them. Somebody cuts you off in traffic on your way to work. The person at the coffee shop got your order wrong. The speed bump in the parking lot caused you to spill your wrong coffee all over your car and your clothes. You saw something on Instagram. Somebody said something cross to you. It might have been somebody you love. It might have been an employee. It might have been a customer. It might have been a supervisor, whatever it was. Somebody came across you the wrong way. And, and when we begin to react to those things, we'll, we'll react to those things. We react to those things in anger. We, we react to those things in despair. We react to those things in, in depression and anxiety. And when we begin to react to those things, nothing is right and everything is wrong. Our feelings are hurt. We're angry. Our sense of self-worth is gone. And we get what I call the chicken little syndrome. I mean, one of life's acorns thumps us on the head and all of a sudden we're running around and our declaration about life is that the sky is falling. Is it still okay to reference Chicken Little, by the way? I'm... Oh, okay, okay. But when we react to the circumstances of life, when we allow things outside us to control us when we allow the people around us that we encounter day to day to control us and we react to things it sets up a vicious cycle in our lives where we move from crisis to crisis to crisis to crisis it's just it's one bad move after the next after the next our world spins out of control we have no peace we have no joy we have no victory we're at the end of our rope and we don't know what we're gonna do let's get into our text today join me in Luke chapter 8 we'll begin in verse 40 it's a familiar narrative that we've all heard many many times before maybe in a little different light or context than we're gonna examine it today and this understand this this text is so packed I understand that we we don't have time this morning to draw out everything but I hope to be able to share these couple of principles with you here today and have those resonate in your heart but Luke chapter 8 verse 40 begins and says so it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him for they were all waiting for him and behold there came a man named Jairus and he was a ruler of the synagogue and he fell down at Jesus feet and begged him to come to his house for he had only an only daughter about 12 years of age and she was dying but as he went the multitudes thronged him 
Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all of her livelihood on positions and could not be healed by any. And we're going to pause right there with the changing of the verses. I know it's an abrupt stop, but I just want to set the scene for you. Here's Jesus coming into town. Everybody wants a little bit of Jesus' time. Jairus is coming. The multitude is thronging him. Here's a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and yet could not be healed by any. You want to talk about circumstances to which one might respond? This text is packed. 12 long years of life-altering, wealth-ruining, health-robbing, suffering, and sickness, and that was just the beginning. I don't have to elaborate on this much more to say than that this woman had been hemorrhaging blood for 12 years. She was probably at a point in her life where she asked the age-old question, Why me, Lord? There's no reasonable cause given. There's no statement of weak faith. There's no implication of sin in her life. And we can't add anything to Scripture that isn't there. And just because we're not hemorrhaging blood, we can't look at someone who is and say, well, if they had just lived like me, they wouldn't have to be dealing with what they're dealing with. Look at your neighbor and tell them it's just natural. It's just natural. It's part of living in a fallen world. There's nothing here that implies that there was anything out of order in this woman's life except that she lived in a sin-sickened, fallen world, a cursed world for the sake of sinfulness. And here she is. She's suffering a natural malady. And the Scripture says that she had sought the aid of many physicians and it only grew worse. Makes you wonder. Doesn't it? If after 12 years of treatment, after 12 years of treatment, here's a woman who, who it says spent her livelihood, her life savings, everything that she had. She had given everything. She had spent all her wealth to regain her health. And she'd been being treated for 12 years, yet only grew worse. My question to you is, how long are you shelling out of your livelihood to people who can't help you, but yet every week, every month, they keep saying, why don't you, let's try this and come back again. How long do you keep doing that before you feel used and abused and taken advantage of? Makes you wonder if 12 years of treatment and she couldn't have been healed, how many of these physicians had been willing to exploit her infirmity. After all, they couldn't help her, but it seems they had no problem taking her money. This is simply an assumption, but in this moment, she might not only feel sick, but maybe also used. And this woman could have easily reacted to any of this and said, you know what? It's been, this has been this way for 12 years and it'll probably be this way for another 12 if I don't bleed to death first. There's no need whatsoever for me to get out here and put myself in a space to be rejected or to have my heart broken by the disappointments of this life. I think in reaction to my circumstance, I'll just stay concealed. 
I'll just settle into this defeat and I'll just hang on to the end of this rope as long as I can until the day that my infirmity takes me out. And I often wonder where this woman was in relation to Jesus in that crowd when Jairus came and made his announcement. There's, there's so many, I can see this in, in myself, I can see this in, in many, many folks that I talk to. How many of you have ever t- spoken to someone and you said, well, you know, there's help available? And they said, well, I, I'll just, you know, I can't, I, I don't want to, I don't feel good about whatever, I, I don't like asking. How many of you know people, they, they don't like asking? I can almost see this scene unfolding that she's determined in her mind that she's going to draw near to Jesus with her need. But all of a sudden, this ruler of the synagogue, a far more important person in the societal hierarchy, comes in and says, Jesus, I only have the one daughter of 12 years old, and she's about to die. Would you come to my house? I can almost see her in that moment as she's standing in the point of of decision trying to decide whether to pursue what's before her or not hearing those words and saying ah you know what maybe it's just not my time you know the I, I, I I'm just reacting here to what I see around me and what I see around me what my sensories are telling me right now is that Jesus is far too busy this man and his need are far too more important than what I have going on for me to pursue Jesus and bother him with my trouble so I'll just head back home when you're at the end of your rope the last thing that you want to do is react to the things around you you don't want to react to the things around you but there's still a sadder fact there's still a sadder fact that remains in this narrative and it's not this woman in her health condition it's not the word about her money and and it's not any of those things the saddest fact here is her ceremonial uncleanliness If you read in Leviticus chapter 15, you would understand that in that dispensation of time, Jewish law prevented her from entering the temple, the dwelling place of God. She was banished from the presence of God because of her affliction. Not only that, here's a woman that was so accustomed to her infirmity that her only identity in the Bible is We know her as the woman with the issue of blood. How often do we live lives in such a way that we become known by our issues rather than our true identity as to who we are in Christ? But here's this woman and she's she's prevented from entering into the synagogue entering into the temple the dwelling place of God but there's an issue here and here's the great crisis there are some things that can only be fixed in the presence of the Lord and here's a picture of the graciousness of God in that in a moment when she was unable to come to God she couldn't enter the temple because of her own infirmities Jesus came to her Mm. that was a word in a time when she couldn't go to him 
he came to her. You, you don't even tell me that it was happenstance that Jesus passed that way. You don't tell me that even though thronged by a multitude, that Jesus was ignorant of the fact that there was a woman there who had suffered for 12 years who couldn't come to him. So he chose the route to go to her, to avail his presence to her. Because some things are only fixed in the presence of the Lord. So he made his presence available to her. Listen to this. Not by her ability to get things together for herself, to line things up, to rehabilitate herself, to get herself in shape, but because he came near. And Jesus had come. His presence was now before this woman and available to her. Now in this moment, this woman has a decision to make. And the decision that she has to make is, am I going to react to what this world is giving me, saying about me, doing to me, or am I going to respond to the Word of God about me? And I want to challenge you today, church, that that is a choice that you and I are faced with every day that we live. From the moment that your eyeballs crack open in the morning until they go to bed at night, you have to decide, are you going to react to what this world is giving you, saying about you, doing to you, or are you going to respond to what the word of the Lord is for you? It's a war that the adversary always wants to win. It's a battleground. And I'm not saying that there's a devil under every rock or that everything that comes into your life is an attack of the enemy, although spiritual attacks are very real. I'm saying, however, that he will capitalize on every opportunity to elicit a reaction from you, to get your temper flared, to get your anxiety stirred, to overwhelm you with sadness, to come against your thought life and your emotions and cause you to react to the circumstances of this life rather than respond in kind with what God has spoken over your life. And every day things are going to be put in your way just as they were in this woman's life to dissuade you from the pursuit of the very best thing that God has in store for you. And when you are at the end of your rope, you need not react to the things around you but rather respond to the truth of God about you I'm not trying to add to the scripture myself but I have little doubt that present there on that day was also a lying voice from Satan himself that filled this woman's mind with questions questions like what about the crowd what about the crowd? You know you have issues. And you don't need to be around the crowd with your issues. You, you are aware of your uncleanliness, certainly, and you don't want to come to Jesus until you're in a better situation or position to do so. You do remember all the things that you've tried before. What makes you think this time is going to be any different? You've been to that altar before. 
You've prayed that prayer before. What makes you think that this time is going to be any different than the times before? But I believe also there would be another side of that conversation, and I'm, I'm speaking more experientially right now than anything else. And that is that on the other side of that conversation, there was also a voice of truth a witness of the Holy Spirit that said to her, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. There was the word that says, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight and give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And as the spirit of truth begins to bear witness of the truth of God about her, faith begins to arise with a dogged determination that neither her own condition nor the judgment of others nor the crowd that surrounds is going to stop her from getting in the presence of the Lord and allowing Him to minister to her needs. And determination yields to action. She has heard about Jesus. She's heard the truth about his power to heal, to deliver, to cleanse, and to set free. She said, I see the things that are against me, but there's a greater truth to which I will respond. And Matthew and Mark record this, that even though there are so many circumstances to which she might react, yet she looks at those things and says this response, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And suddenly, suddenly she's not concerned about the crowd anymore. What the disciples are going to think is no longer of any consequence. The only thing that matters now is touching Jesus. In response to the truth of God, she grabs a covering to disguise herself and out the door into the thickening throng she go, goes. A frail body, a sad, a sad expression, perplexed by life situation, waiting on the day that her malady takes her out. But with a grim determination, she presses her way to Jesus. Listen to me, church. It's not always easy. Sometimes everything in life is testifying against your miracle. Sometimes every circumstance that you see on every side is telling you why it can't come to pass and begging you to react and turn around and give up and let go. But I'm telling you today that if you'll keep pressing in, he who has promised is faithful and he will meet you there. With a grim determination, she presses her way to Jesus. It's not always easy, but there's a God who's faithful. Victory is near. Jesus is just a few feet away. She's pressed and she's shoved by the crowd, but she's not given up. Every step is a struggle, but she's not going to quit. Deliverance is in sight. Her help is drawing nigh. There's no plan of letting go. And with one final lunge, the word says that she came from behind and she touched the border of his garment and immediately... Her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? And when all denied it, Peter and those who were with him said, Master, hello, Jesus. There's a multitude here that throngs and presses. And you say, who touched me? 
But Jesus said, somebody, oh God, somebody touched me. For I perceived power going out from me. And I love this statement by Jesus because I want to tell you something. There are many prayers that bounce off the Celotex because they're offered from a heart of religious duty. They're offered as the magic incantation that if I say the right things, then the right things will happen to me and the right things will happen for me. It's a learned form of religion. We've heard that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The only problem is we've forgotten about the through God part. We think somehow or another we're going to memorize enough scripture. We're going to say the right things with the right authority and the right tone and pitch in our voice that it's going to drive the adversary away. But the thing that's going to drive the adversary away is not our ability to recite religion things but rather to stand in the presence and the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and touch heaven sometimes the lip service must seem like the thronging of the crowds but above the noise there arises an earnest plea and the Lord of glory leans up off his throne and cups his ear and looks at the angels and says somebody's calling my name Listen to me, without faith, the word says it's impossible to please God for those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek after him. Diligently she sought and faithful he was to reward. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. Now I want you to understand this. Faith didn't come once the blood stopped. Faith didn't come once the blood stopped. How many times are we like Thomas? If, if I could just see. Oh, you think because you've never seen the blinded eye open that that means God doesn't still open the blinded eyes? You, you think just because you've never seen the lame walk again that all of a sudden God's impotent to make the lame walk again? No. No, no. Faith didn't come when, they saw, when she saw that the blood had stopped. Faith came and then the blood stopped. What began with a sick woman, ceremonially unclean, ended up with a healing and a word that said, Daughter, go in peace. Your faith has made you home. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason that she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now to anyone who's struggling today at the end of your rope to hang on, Life has been crazy, tumultuous, upside down, spinning. Just seems like you're moving from one event to the next, one undesirable thing to the next. You've been making rapid-fire reactions to the things around you, and it's only leading you to a deeper place of despair. 
I come to you with good news today and this good news is that when you come to the end of your rope you have just found the beginning of our Lord because it's when your strength has failed that you find out that his is perfect when when your resources are spent you'll find that his are unfailing you know there's someone else in this narrative who's also at the end of their rope his name is Jairus and when he saw Jesus stop to deal with this woman it would have been so easy for him to say to himself how selfish how rude how uncaring this woman is does she not know that my only child is laying home dying I'm just gonna get on my donkey and go back home if this is the way church people are gonna be I don't have to put up with this I'm just gonna go back home and grieve with my family but he didn't react to the situations around him he too responded in truth and said Jesus I've heard you say that you are the resurrection and the life somebody just brought me a word that said my little girl that died but I know that you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think welcome into my home people are laughing and people are scorning at the very thought that you're here to raise her they think it's ridiculous that you've said that she's only asleep but Jesus come on in come on into my situation come on into my life rather than react to the critics I'm just gonna to respond to your presence and come on in see when you get to the point that he's all the hope you've got you'll find out with certainty that he's all the hope that you need just press through to Jesus don't fear what others might say don't don't worry about this world and how it's gonna ridicule the exercise faith don't think that he's too busy to you what if what if this woman had surrendered to the odds what if this woman or Jairus either one had reacted to their situation rather than responding to Jesus presence what if they had yielded to the thought that they needed to get in better shape before they approached him come to Jesus with your need everybody stand and if you today are at the end of your rope good 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 and you say well pastor why are you saying that good you don't like being at the end I do not like being at the end of my rope I, I don't I despise it But the good part about it is that it's often and you may find that there at the end of your rope is where you find the hem of his garment and if you just reach out and touch him when all your strength is gone in the struggle to just hang on Jesus will show up 
Oh, it happened. It happens all through scripture. It, it happened for Daniel. It happened for the other three Hebrew boys in Babylon. They didn't react to the situation they were put in. They responded to the truth of God. And Daniel said, look, you'll have to throw me in the lion's den, but I'm going to serve God. The three Hebrew boys said, listen, I don't know whether he's going to deliver us or not, but I know this, we're not going to bow. We're not going to react to this thing. But our calculated, thought, well-thought response is that we're going to believe God and we're going to serve God more than we believe or we're going to serve you. And God delivered them miraculously. It was Job's posture in the midst of suffering to say, even if he slays me, yet will I serve him. And you know that the end of Job's story is so much greater than the beginning because God blessed him in abundance. Moses was at the end of his rope when he told the people to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And the Lord answered with a strong wind and parted the seas and they were able to cross on the dry ground. Faith came, and then the blood stopped. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.